And Father, as, as Pastor is, is away and as he's even teaching right now, three services, Lord, I pray you would give him the strength and the energy. But Father, we know that's the one thing he desires is to be in your will, serving you, teaching and preaching. So Father, again, we just lift up tonight, today to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have a, a guest today, and, and I'm, I'm kind of excited because he's been here, I think, three or four times, and every single time Robert Baltadano's been here, I've been away either at a couple's retreat or men's retreat, and in fact, he's like, yeah, somebody said you, you went here. I'm like, oh, wow. Anyway, um, Robert Baltadano is actually assistant general manager over at K-Wave, and he teaches Sunday nights over at Calvary, Calvary Chapel Chino Valley called Sunday Night Live. And another thing that he's got his fingers in over there, he runs the young adult ministry over 18 to 35-year-olds called The Gathering. So, again, today we're going to be blessed that we get to hear from Robert Baltadano. So let's give him a hand. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Well, before we start, why don't you guys greet each other? <laughs> Since you're standing. As it was already said, yes, I, I, my life is pretty busy. Um, in fact, I, you could add a four-year-old and a five-month-old baby to that. So my life's not boring. A lot going on, but it's all good, you know, um, just serving the Lord. And, and uh, uh, one thing that uh, some of you guys know, some of you guys may not know, that um, I pastored a church in upstate New York. Uh, I, my wife and I left uh, under Calvary Chapel Chino Valley back in 98. Uh, your pastor, Mike, was uh, the children's ministry uh, leader at the time. And he was one of my Bible college teachers, actually. I believe he was one of them. And um, so we went out to New York, 98, to about 2008. The Lord brought us back. So we planted a Calvary Chapel up there, and the church is still there. It's going well. We were just there um, just a few months ago during the, uh, this time to uh, just touch base with the people there and also just with some friends and some uh, distant family that we have there. So, um, but uh, it's a blessing to be back here. You know, when your pastor asked me to come and cover for him, it's a privilege and I love sharing the word, and today I'm going to be teaching out of Proverbs chapter 3, very familiar chapter, verse, that some of you guys may probably know, it's verses 5 and 6, and um, if you guys turn there with me, Proverbs chapter four, uh, 3, verses 5 through 6, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and what I'll do is, I'm going to read the text, then I'll open up with the word of prayer, and uh, the message this morning I've entitled, Trusting God When It Doesn't Make Sense. You're like, ooh, I'm right there. So let's look at verses three, uh, chapter 3, I'm sorry, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Father, we come before you this morning to hear your word. As we're presented with this chapter, Lord, this is a familiar verse. Many of us probably know it by heart. Many of us probably hold on to it in those times of desperation, Lord, as a Christian and and today, Lord, as we hear it taught, as we hear it dissect, Lord, I pray that you will speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray for every heart that's here this morning, that you will speak to them individually. Father, I know you're going to show yourself clearly to many here today, Father. So we pray that you will just be with us now, Lord. Go before us. Make way for this ministry and the word to go forth in a very fruitful way. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You know, there are some things in this life, in this world, stuff, I guess, if you will, that to me just doesn't make sense. Uh, things that you read, things that you see, and you think, you know, it's just, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Uh, let me give you a few, some simple, practical examples of some things that, to me, just don't make sense. Uh, for example, one is, why do some lemonades have imitation flavoring, but furnishing polish, furniture polish contains real lemon juice? It just doesn't make sense, right? It's like, if you're going to make lemon juice or uh, lemonade, put in some real one, you know, real lemon juice in there. But yet you got it in your furniture polish. Here's another one. Why is the man who invests all your money called a broker? <laughs> Doesn't make sense, right? I don't understand that. Why, why would they choose that name, right? Here's another one. Why is it that when you're driving, looking for directions, trying to find a place, you turn down the radio? Have you ever done that? Maybe you don't. I do. It's like, well, it doesn't make sense. Why would I ever do that? Here's another one. Why are cigarettes sold in gas stations when smoking is prohibited? <laughs> right? If you don't want things to blow up, don't sell me cigarettes, right? It's not my fault. Here's the last one. Why do people ask, can I ask you a question? It's not like... You have a choice. They already asked, right? You know, these things that I just mentioned here, we can live with this stuff. Even though it doesn't make sense, we don't understand why. But we probably conclude by saying, oh, well, it is what it is. Not a big deal. I mean, most of us can still live our lives even though we have things like this, right? And these are just a few things that I just brought up here. But what about when God doesn't make sense? And, the, and what I mean by that is when He's doing something in your life, and maybe something's going on right now in your life, and you're probably saying to the Lord, Lord, I just don't understand. It just doesn't make sense. Why? Well, what about those times? Uh, can you live without that? Can, can you just say it is what it is? Probably not. You have a hard time when things like that happen because when those things happen, obviously we, we, we have a struggle with those things. You know... For most of us, and I think all of us here can agree that when things are going well in life, we're okay with God, right? God is good. We love Him. Uh, you know, when, when our bank account is full, when people are, are for us, not against us, everything is great. God is on the throne. We, we praise God and all of that, right? In fact, there are Christians out there that, that as long as everything is going well in their lives, hey, God is number one. But the moment something happens... Something that maybe doesn't make sense to them or they don't understand, a trial, whatever it is, all of a sudden God becomes like number 10. Or they don't look at God as a loving God, as a God who, who they can trust. And, and you see that happens a lot. And, and when we come here, it's an interesting thing because when things don't make sense to us and whatever is going on in our lives, whatever stuff is happening in our lives, we sometimes just have a hard time with it. A, a person that comes to mind is Naomi. Do you guys remember Naomi in the book of Ruth? I mean, Naomi, you know, she had a great life, right? She had a husband. She had two young boys. Everything was great. Uh, the only thing is that she was heading towards Moab, an area that she shouldn't have been going to. But, but anyway, she was heading out there. There was something going on in her land. And uh, if you know the story, all of a sudden, she loses her husband. Bummer, right? I mean, she lost her husband. She's a widow now. But not only that, but things got even harder for her because then she lost both of her children, both of her sons. Now, not only she's not, not just a widow, she's childless. And the only people that were with her were obviously uh, the, the women that married her, the, the, her children or her sons. Uh, you know, it was Ruth was one of them. And 
we see that she came to the conclusion that God had dealt very bitterly with her. You guys remember that? I mean, she came back to her hometown and they said, Naomi, is that you? You know, you wonder why they said that. Maybe something changed in her life, in her face. Her countenance was changed. Have you ever noticed that? You have somebody who's very happy, maybe at work, at home, and, and this person is constantly coming in. They have a happy face. And all of a sudden, they have this grin on their face. Wouldn't you be like, what happened? Is that, you okay? You know something happened, right? I wonder if that's what happened to Naomi. As they were, she was coming back to her hometown, they said, is that you, Naomi? And you know the whole story, right? She says, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. I'm not a pleasant person anymore. My life is not pleasant anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. I'm living a very bitter life right now. I mean, you look at things like that and, and you wonder, you know, how do you deal with a person like that? How does God deal with a person like that? I mean, what, what would you do as, as you're greeting each other here and you look to that, ne- you go to the next person, you say, hey, how are you doing? And they said, not well. God has dealt very bitterly with me. What would you say? You probably go to the next person, right? Well, how are you doing? You know, how do you handle a person like that? I mean, this is real. She was being raw. But we see that that thing in that life that she had was not a good life. It was hard for her. You know, we read that story and we're like, Lord, this doesn't make sense. Why? What happened here? Of course, when we see the big picture, you know, the whole book of Ruth about the kinsman redeemer and all of that. Here's another person that comes to mind. What about Job? I mean, Job, right? I mean, Job went through the ringer in, in his life, right? I mean, this guy was wealthy, had a great family, everything. I mean, it was just amazing life. And yet, God allowed the enemy, Satan, to go and basically um, mangle his life. Everything, he took everything from him except his wife, which is interesting to me because God told Satan that he put a hedge on Job and basically says, don't touch his life. But everything else was gone from his life, but his wife was still around. Now, I'm just speculating. I'm not, I'm not speaking dogmatically here, but the Bible says that when a husband and a wife are joined together, they become what? One. Perhaps. Hey, that's Job's property. That's still part of him, so you don't touch him means you don't touch his wife, which is interesting. But what we see, though, as we come to these things, it's in those times when we go through a hard time when God's love, God's goodness is actually challenged in our own hearts And sometimes we doubt God when we go through those times in life. When things don't make sense, when we're going through a hard time in life, we tend to say to ourselves probably, like, God isn't all that good. I don't think God loves me. Perhaps you've said that before in your Christian life. You think, man, you know, I don't know if the Lord really loves me. I mean, I think He does love me in general, but but I think right now, this week, it just doesn't seem like God really loves me. I mean, what I'm going through, what is happening, what I'm experiencing is not good. Well... We come here, and, and it's interesting because this proverb here is a very, very, very important proverb. Because when we go through those hard times, when we go through those challenging times, I believe one of the reasons why we get impatient and disillusioned is because we are not in control of the situation. Like we wish we could be in control. All of us like to be in control. If we can control every trial, we would take care of those trials quickly, right? I mean, they would be done. Oh, trial, see you later. You're not here anymore. But because we have no control over those situations, we get impatient. And here, challenge, here, here uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 is a challenge for all of us. And one of the things about this is that when we're experiencing these situations in our lives, Solomon here basically gives us three things 
on what to do when we're going through those times when we're either saying to God, Lord, it just doesn't make sense or I don't understand what you're doing. There are three things that Solomon says, this is what you need to do. One, trust the Lord with all your heart. He says, two, do not lean on your own understanding. And three, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will lead your path straight. Three things that we see here very clearly that Solomon will tell you and I, this is what you're supposed to do when you're going through those times in your life. Now, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 totally destroys any spiritual formulas or equations because it clearly challenges you here to just trust God. Just trust God. And I know it's hard sometimes when maybe you are going through a hard time and you go for some counsel and that person who's counseling you will say to you, listen, I do not understand what you're going through, but let me tell you one thing. Trust God. And you walk out of there saying, what do you mean, trust God? Ah, how do you do that? Come on, I mean, give me more. Give me, give me some solutions here. But sometimes, guys, we just have to just trust God. So let's look at these three things that Solomon tells us as far as what we're to do when these, those things happen. Let's look at the first one. He says, trust the Lord with all your heart. The word trusts carries the idea of clinging on to something. Clinging on to something. Let me illustrate that for you. Many years ago, I went bungee jumping for the very first time. How many of you here have ever been bungee jumping? Raise your hand. Wow, some really good. Oh, wow, okay, great. Yes. Well, I went bungee jumping for the first time in Riverside. It was this, uh, this fair that was going on there. I forget what it was. But anyways, they had this seven-story platform where, you know, I, I forgot how much you paid to go up there, but I was one, and I said, you know, for, for, from the bottom up, it did not look too bad. It's like, that's not far. But as you begin to climb up those stairs, uh, and you see that cushion, that, that, that big, gigantic mattress, right, the inflatable one that's on the ground, it began to go from this big to this big to this big to this, and then when I got up to the top, it was like this big. It's like, wait a minute. I, I know that's kind of like a, an obstacle illusion, right? I mean, because I know that thing is this big. So as I get up there, I'm up there, and, and I'm almost getting up there. And then probably when I got halfway there, there was a part of me that said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But because I'm a guy, and there's a lot of pride in guys, right? I'm not going to go down the stairs telling people, excuse me, excuse me. I, I'm quit. I'm not going you know. I just said, I'm just going to go for it. So I get up to the top. I'm up there. And as I'm up there, they're, they're getting me all ready, and, I, and you could feel the wind, you know, and your heart is pounding, you're like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting, you know? So I'm up there, they're putting me on with this, you know, the harness and this and that, and I noticed there was this cylinder made out of cushion about this big that this other guy was holding and kind of holding up like this that was actually attached to me. And I looked at the guy and said, what's that for? He says, that's for you, so when you go down, you have something to hold on to. I said, I'm not going to hold on to that. Come on, man. What are you talking about, right? So as, as I'm up there at the ledge, I'm, I'm right there looking down at this tiny little pad down there. And they're like, okay, when I count to three, I'm, I want you to jump. Okay. One, two. Wait, 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 wait. I did that three times. Wait, 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 wait. And finally, the guy said to me, listen, if you don't go at three, I'm going to push you down. I said, really? You're going down? No, I didn't say that. But I'm like, okay. All right, here we go. One, two, I went down. I, I forced myself to go down. And guess what I did? The first thing I did, I grabbed onto that cylinder and I held onto that thing so tight 
Like, that would really help me if that pad was around, wasn't there, right? If that thing deflated, I, I would die with it like that, right? And I'm going down screaming like a man, okay? And, 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 I'm, and I'm just holding on to that thing. I am literally clinging to that cylinder. That is the force of the word here in, in this chapter. That's the Hebrew word, trust in the Lord. What does it mean? Cling on to God. Hold on to him that tight. It's interesting that Solomon uses that. He says, trust in the Lord. And that is why it makes sense why he says, with all your heart. Because honestly, it was with all my heart I was holding on to that cylinder. And Solomon says, listen, cling on to God with all your heart, he says. Not part of your heart, but he says all of your heart. It means to cling to God, putting your hope and confidence in Him. It's a bold trust is what you're doing. When you're going through a hard time in your life, you are trusting the Lord. What that is called is a bold trust. That you totally trust God even though things don't make sense. You're saying, Lord, I trust You. I completely trust You. Bold trust could be seen in Psalms 20, verse 7 when David said this, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. He says, some trust in chariots, that's the strength of an army. Some trust in horses, the same thing. But he says, listen, I'm going to trust in the name of God. He's my, he's my victor. He's the one who will give me victory. Another person that comes to mind when it comes to bold trust is Caleb. If you remember Caleb, Caleb was another person who had a lot of bold faith. While the rest of the people, the spies that went out to spy the land in Cana, they noticed that there were these giants. And they were scared to death. They're like, there's no way we can do this. We can't make it there. These guys are huge. These guys are going to beat us up big time. Until Caleb said, listen, he said this, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. Bold faith. I don't care how big those guys are. I don't care how strong they are. We can do it. Why was he so bold? Because of God, right? It was a promise. He says, listen, I'm going to give you that land flowing with milk and honey. It's a productive land. It's the land of Canaan. I'm going to drive out all the inhabitants of that land, God said. So in, in, in Caleb's heart, with his bold faith, his trust wasn't in his, in his own strength. It's not like when you're going through a trial, you're like, I can do this. I can do this. I'm a strong person. I've been a strong person all my life. I can do this again. No, be careful. Your trust should be in God, not in yourself. See, Caleb said, I trust in God that we can knock these guys out, not in his own strength. Caleb had bold faith. Trusting the Lord means to have total trust in God. And notice in verse 3, he uses, or chapter 3, verse 5, he uses the word Lord, notice it's all capital, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Every time, every time you see that in the Bible, it's speaking about God's covenant name, Yahweh. The name that he revealed himself to Abraham, to Moses, to all the patriarchs, it was God's covenant name. It basically means the eternal one, the self-existing one, the covenant name of God. When he says, I am, when God told Moses, when Moses says, Lord, who should I tell them sent me? He says, tell them I am sent you, Yahweh. That's the covenant name of God. And he uses it here. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Again, I want to point to that phrase, with all your heart. Because a divided heart will have a hard time to trust, trusting God. If your heart is divided, 
it's going to be hard for you to trust him. When, when he uses the word heart here in the Hebrew, it refers to one's emotions, but more often to his intellect, such as his understanding, discernment, reflection, and will. With all your heart. There's a person in the New Testament that didn't trust the Lord with all his heart, and that's their young, rich ruler. Remember him? When Jesus was with this young guy, he says, Jesus, I've kept all the commandments. <laughs> I'm a perfect person. I'm a good man. Well, what did Jesus do? He challenged that man. And he says, oh, really? Sell all you have and give to the poor. You know, you're, you're, you're a young man. You got it made. You're making a lot of money. But listen, why don't you sell what you have and give to the poor? Now, did that young man say, absolutely, Jesus, I will do it? The Bible says he went away sad. Why? Because of all the wealth he had. He couldn't do it. Now, it's interesting to me that when he said to Jesus, Lord, I have kept all the commandments, he didn't. He actually broke the commandments. One of them was, Do not, shalt, thou shalt not covet. And he was coveting his money. So even this young man didn't understand it. He's thinking he's kept all the commandments, but he did it. He actually was breaking one of them, thou shalt not covet. And the man went away sad because he couldn't. He had a divided heart. His heart was towards his money. He can't just serve, and Jesus said this, you can't serve wealth and riches and try to serve God. Now, you could be wealthy as a Christian. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of wealthy Christians today who can balance out their lives in a way that, that they can still glorify God and the money's not holding on to their heart. It, you know, we know that, that, that money's not evil, but it's when you hold on to money and you don't want to share the money or it becomes an obstacle between you and God, then it becomes an issue. Then money becomes evil. But typically, being... A person of wealth is not a big deal unless it's got your heart and it's divided. Psalm 86.11, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart. I don't want to have any room for anything else in my own heart. So we see here very clearly, Solomon says in verse 5, Trust, cling, hold on to, embrace the Lord with all your heart hearts he says and and he says just with all your heart not just part of your heart you know i remember little david david who was um you know a shepherd boy had no clue what god had in mind to do in his life and he went from being a shepherd boy to the king of israel that's that's a big leap right that's a big promotion right i mean that's like saying you know somebody who's I guess, um, you know, uh, in the cleaning department or whatnot, a custodial ministry or whatever it is, or, or just at a company like in Google, you know, you're the custodian, and then they went from being a custodian at Google to the CEO. That's quite, a, that's quite a jump, right? That's huge. People would be like, wait a minute, I've been here a long time, you know? But David did that. He, he, was, just, he was just doing his thing, and God says, I'm going to make you the king. And you know the whole story. I'm not going to get into the whole story. But... But that path to being a king was an interesting path because most of his time he was in caves. You remember that? I mean, he was going through, he was going through some hard times because Saul, a maniac, wanted to kill him. And, and then all of a sudden, he's kicked out of his own town and he flees to the wilderness. And here he is going from cave to cave wondering, what is going on, Lord? Doesn't make sense. I mean, here, I, I'm not a shepherd anymore, boy, but now you've called me to be the king, but... I'm in caves. But you know, as you read the Psalms, we know that the Psalms here, even though he was hiding in caves, those Psalms are one of the most powerful, heartfelt words of David. The Psalms. 
And we see that God did still use him, but he went through that situation in his life. I'm sure it didn't make sense to David at the time, but we know that God was working out his will even in those times. Here's another, here's another example of another situation that we would all say, Lord, this doesn't make sense. John chapter 11, you remember Lazarus who was sick? Martha, Mary, brothers. Well, here he got sick to the point of death. This, this, this Lazarus was dying. And, of course, Martha says, let's go get Jesus. Go call Jesus. Tell, that, tell him that Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. He'll come. I mean, why not, right? Jesus has been healing people, right? I mean, anytime somebody's sick, hurting, Jesus is there, touching, healing, encouraging, comforting. So, hey, this is the one whom Jesus loves. He's going to come, and he's going to come and heal him because he's sick. He's about to die. So they sent word out to Jesus, and Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. Did Jesus go to him right away? No, he didn't. Listen to, listen to what he said here. John eleven six. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. You're like, that's mean. Oh, Jesus, why would, you, why would you delay? This is like urgent here. This is an emergency. I mean, imagine if you were sick and they call 911, and the opera says, I'm sorry, they'll be there tomorrow. They're busy right now. Hold on, okay? Just, just hang on, you'll be fine. Excuse me? I'm dying here. I need you, right? Could you imagine that? Jesus, the healer, says, I'm going to stay here two more days. He delayed purposely. Now, to us, we're like, that's not fair, Lord. It just doesn't make sense. Could you imagine Martha? Could you imagine Mary? Even Lazarus. Day one goes by, where's Jesus? Day two, where's Jesus? I mean, I'm sure in their minds, they're like, but, but he's a God of compassion. He's even said that, that, you know, he sees sheep like being scattered and, and have no shepherd. I mean, why? What, what, what's going on? Maybe you've been in that situation yourself. You're like, Lord, I've prayed. I've asked for you to come to the rescue. And it's been a week. It's been a month. It's almost been a year, Lord. What is going on? Do you, do you know who I am anymore? There's that delay. You think there's a, there's a delay. But there's a reason. As we look at this story, we get the big picture. They didn't. We see what Jesus was going to do. He was going to do something greater than just going there and saying, you're healed, Lazarus, your, your fever is gone, or whatever it was, right? What was he going to do? He was going to bring him back from the, from the dead. He was going to bring him back. I mean, isn't that a greater work to see than somebody just healed from their sickness, to actually see somebody come back from the dead? You're like, Whoa, wait a minute. He had something greater for him. And, and I believe that sometimes when God is sort of delaying on a prayer request or something, it's because he's got something greater. But it's going to be in his time, not in your time. And we see in the story of Lazarus with, with, with Mary and Martha, you know, when, when Jesus finally came to them, Martha was the first thing that Martha said to Jesus, Lord, Lazarus is dead, and if you were here, he wouldn't have died. She already knew. It's like, you're late. But if you were here, Lord, he would have been fine. So basically, what happened? And you know the whole story as Jesus challenged her about the resurrection and the life and, one all, and all of that stuff. But we see, though, here that Jesus had something greater for her, for, for, for Lazarus. We need to trust the Lord. We need to cling on to the Lord with all of our heart, especially when things just don't make sense to us. When we don't understand what's happening, we have to trust Him. We still have to trust Him. Because God knows the right way to the right ends. Not only that, 
but he knows what benefits us. He knows how to take care of us. We don't always have to be in control of every situation. We don't always have to be in control or need to have all the answers. Sometimes we're always looking for answers. Why is this happening? Why is that there? Why is this here? Sometimes we just have to trust. So Solomon says, when you're going through that situation in your life, for that experience, trust the Lord with all your heart. The second thing he tells us to do is this. This is a hard one. Lean not on your own understanding. That's a tough one, right? That's a very hard one. The word lean means to support oneself on anything so as to be supported by it. And when he talks about understanding here, it speaks of of our human insight apart from God's wisdom, seeking to be supported by our own ideas or wisdom. Now let me say this. This does not teach that Christians shouldn't think or consider facts when making decisions. God wants us to use our brains, okay? I mean, God wants us to use our brains. He's not asking us to just kind of check out, you know, our brains, just not even think, you know, reasonably here. If, if your car breaks down in the middle of the railroad tracks and the train's coming, get out. Don't sit there and pray about it, okay? All right? Just get out. God says, you have common sense, move. But there are times in our lives when things happen that we are tempted to use our common sense. We're tempted to use our own understanding, our own wisdom to figure things out so we can bail ourselves out of things. Now, we see here that it means very clearly that we're not to trust uh, on our own ideas, on our own wisdom, but we want to we ask God to direct us. You know, if we need wisdom, if we lack wisdom in our situation, the Bible says very clearly that God will give it to us. Listen to this, James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So you lack wisdom today in your situation, ask God for it. Say, Lord, I need wisdom in this situation. Show me the way. What do you want me to do? How do I do this? How do I go through this? Because God will at times go beyond our human reasoning. It's important for us to know that because if we try to use our own wisdom, God says, I'm not going to go that way. I, I, I understand. I see your common sense. I see your understanding, but I'm going beyond that. I'm not going to go there. Here's another story that baffles me. Gideon. Gen, uh, uh, Gideon in Judges 7. You know the story, I'm sure, but I'm going to tell you real quickly in a brief way. Gideon had 32,000 men in his army. He was going after the Midianites. The Midianites wanted to come after him. The Midianite army had 135,000 people in their army. Now, he was still short, right? 32,000, still short. But then the Lord says, you know, 32,000 is too many. What? What do you mean it's too many? It's too many. He says, why don't you go to your group, your troops, and tell them, hey, anybody that's afraid to go to war, you can go home. I mean, could you imagine that? You're like, wait a minute, that, that's not what I want to tell people. He, say, he says, just go there and tell them, if anybody's afraid, they can go home. 22,000 went home. Whoa, wait a minute, guys, where are you going? And the Lord says, um, you still have too many. Wait, you just knocked down 22,000 out of 35. Wait, what are you talking about, Lord. And then the Lord gets a little bit more specific. He says, says, tell them basically, any of those guys, he says, basically separate the ones, he says, that lap water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. So when it was all said and done, he was left with 300 men. 300 men versus 135,000. He won though, huh? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, you're like, wait a minute, Lord, what are you doing? You're, 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 you're removing more men from me. I need them. But yet God says, listen, I know common sense says 
you need a lot of people to fight. But listen, I'm going to show you something greater. I'm going to go beyond your understanding. And I'm going to show you how powerful I am, even with 300 people. And we see the story from there. As you look at that story, we realize that, you know what? This is really cool, that God can do that. You see, why are we not to lean on, under, uh, on our own understanding? Because relying on our, on our own understanding can cause uh, issues and problems in our personal Christian lives. Because I believe very clearly that there are two reasons why God says sometimes don't lean on your own understanding. One, because of pride. One, because of pride. Intellectual pride. When that happens, seeking to do your own thing without God's counsel can be a problem. So for us to not lean on our own understanding in certain things, God says, don't go there. Let me handle this. Trust me. The second reason why God sometimes will tell us, don't lean on your own understanding here, is because we have limited understanding of God's ways. We have no clue what God wants to do. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 55, 89. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Romans eleven thirty three and 34, Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been or become his counselor? He says, how unsearchable are his judgments. God can be unsearchable sometimes. I mean, he's beyond our human understanding. For us to try to bring God into our own mindset, our own understanding, could sometimes be a problem. It can, it can cause us some issues in our Christian life and whatever we're dealing with at that time. God's ways are incomprehensible, and yet he's still trustworthy. Isn't that cool? He's still trustworthy. And this is what we see here, especially when things don't make human sense. I like when somebody once said, he says this, and I quote, all the wisdom a person may acquire can never replace the need for full trust in God's superior ways. I think that's so true. I mean, I've talked to Christians many times who have made decisions from seeking God, away, apart from seeking the Lord, and they got themselves in trouble. Whether it was a relationship, perhaps it was a move somewhere, they did not seek the Lord. They just went on their own, on their own understanding. It made sense to them. They never sought the Lord to say, Lord, does this make sense to you? And they went, they did it, and then, and then they crash. And you talk to them, they're broken, they're bummed, and I ask them, did you pray about this? No, not really. Is that supposed to? Uh, yeah. When you want to move your entire family across the state, so when you want to do this, yeah, you really seek the Lord. You know, before I left to New York back in 98, I remember I, I was scared to death to leave California, Sunny's California, to go up state New York, to be in the wintertime. You know, I'm out there, it's crazy. The winters are really, really harsh. And, and it wasn't a move that I just said, well, we're leaving, honey, let's go. We didn't have children then, but it was just me and my wife. But I was scared to death. I, I sought counsel from my pastor, from some of the guys at church. I was praying. I mean, I was just, Lord, if this is not you, don't let me go. I'm not going to go all the way out there and find out that it wasn't your will. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I'm coming back. But the Lord spoke through his word, through the counsel of the, of the body and, and whatnot. And it was clear that God says, yeah, I'm going to send you out. And we did. And we were there for 10 years and planted a church. But some people will just blow through doors and just go and do things without seeking the Lord. It's important for us. And it's a good habit for us to get into to seek the Lord. If we want to change jobs, pray about it. Say, Lord, do you really want me to leave? You know, is it just because I just can't stand my boss? 
Or is there a true need somewhere else that you want me to go to? You know, is it a relationship? Lord, I want to get married, and, and here's this guy or here's this girl. Lord, is this the person that you want me to really see as, as my husband, as my wife? Pray about it. The Lord is faithful. He'll tell you. But we see here very clearly that these things are important because this is something that Solomon is teaching us, is that sometimes he says, you may be tempted to lean on your own understanding. So one, trust the Lord with all your heart. Two, lean not on your own understanding. And the last thing, number three, acknowledge him in all your ways. I like how he says that. Trust the Lord with all your heart and in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? Well, acknowledge literally means to take notice of and to recognize. So what does that mean? How do, we, how do we apply that in our lives? Well, it means to have fellowship and intimacy with God in your life, in all of your areas of your life, and to recognize him in your life, to give heed to God. Again, like I said before, bring things to the Lord when you're making decisions. Pray about it. Acknowledge him. Show him that he is important in your life. That you do want to see his counsel, seek his counsel. You want to hear his answer, his take on things. Acknowledge him in all your ways. We must be willing to accept God's help, though. And, and, and to give God the credit when the, when the job is completed. Well, he talks about paths here. This means more than just guidance. It means God removes the obstacles, making a smooth path or way of life, or perhaps better, bringing one to the appointed goal. He directs your paths. God, God's path, the one he chooses. Knowing it's the best, best path and the right path for us. That's what we want to be. We want to be on the right path. We don't need Google Maps to find where God is taking us. It's the Holy Spirit, right? You just seek the Lord. God has a way to show you you're in the right path. Stay there. Or you're not in the right path. Get out of it. And God will have a way for you to move out from that path. Solomon here is teaching us that those who follow God's wisdom have an easier, less problematic life because you're keeping God in front. You're keeping him in, at the forefront of your, of your life, saying, Lord, you lead. As we see when Jesus went to his disciples, he says, follow me, right? It wasn't the other way around. Jesus didn't go to Peter and Matthew and all those guys and says, hey, can I follow you guys? It was the other way around, follow me. And a lot of times Christians want Jesus to follow them, right? Lord, you are my Savior, but follow me. I know how to get here. I know my way around life. I've been here, no, you haven't been here longer than me, dude. I've created you. But we sometimes want God to follow us, right? It's easy for him. Lord, just follow me. But we see here that, that we have to acknowledge God in all our ways. Well, how do we acknowledge him in all of our ways? By praising him at every turn. Even if it doesn't make sense, you trust him with all your heart. You trust him with all your heart. God will guide you on the right path and basically keep you on track, on the right track. No matter how many twists and turns you encounter between here and heaven, God will lead you on the right path. As long as you stay on the right path with him and you keep him as your Lord, Master, you'll be fine. Even when those times come, when you're like, what is going on here, Lord? That's when you can trust him with all your heart. Just remember, when God either makes you wait and does, does things in a way that you don't understand, always remember it's, it's because his plans are bigger, better, wider, more spectacular than yours. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we have this powerful proverb here that we 
see here. And we know, Lord, that it's easy to read this, but it is hard and challenging to try to receive it and accept it and apply it because we do want to be in control. We want answers. But, Lord, sometimes in life we won't get answers. And as Christians, sometimes, Lord, you call us to just trust you. And, Lord, we want to do that. Lord, help us to be people who can trust you no matter what happens, no matter what goes on in our lives. Life can be very harsh, Lord. We know that. You know that. But, Lord, we know that life is also not hard when it's with you, Lord, because you give us that wisdom and direction. You sustain us through those hard times. I want to pray for you here tonight as you have your heads down, your eyes closed. If there anyone here tonight or today and you're... Just from your act, just raising your hand. If, if you're going through that time in your life right now and you're lacking that trust and you're saying to yourself, I need prayer, I need help, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Father, I pray for those that raised their hand. Perhaps they're going through a situation right now where they're having a hard time trusting you. Maybe it's a job that they're looking for. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's just a sickness. Maybe it's something that's happening right now in their lives Maybe it just started this weekend. Maybe it's been going on for a month, a year. Lord, today, you encourage them to hang on. And I pray, Lord, that as we read here, for them to, to cling to you, to hold on to you, to not let go. I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen them this day to carry on. Sustain them, Lord, by your precious hands. And I pray, Lord, that, that, that whatever the situation is, that you will come through, because I know you will, that you will give him victory, that you will give him hope, and that you'll give him encouragement. And for us, Lord, help us to stay faithful to you as well. We love you and we thank you, Father. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. And we all said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Could we get your stand, please?